Good morning, Calvin Mitchell, Law Church of Christ, and we are studying 1 Corinthians. We are so happy that you are with us. We're so happy you are um, studying with us. Uh, we have uh, now gone to, this is our fourth lesson. Uh, we'll go through our little introduction of what exactly uh, has happened and transpired uh, through the course uh, of our lessons, and then we're going to launch right into First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 13. And while you head over there, uh, let's say a prayer, and then we're going to talk about the outline of the lesson. Most heavenly and gracious and merciful Father in heaven, we're just so thankful for your blessings. We're just so thankful for all that you do in our life, and we're just so thankful for your Son, Christ Jesus, who died on the cross so that we may have uh, eternal life and we're just so thankful for our study here in first corinthians just ask heavenly father that we learn so much about you and what you desire from us and what 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 thus saith the lord we're just so thankful for your words the holy spirit we're so thankful for uh the way that the, the words are always able to uh, reveal uh what what is in god's mind and allow us to serve him more concisely we just ask that you just continue to bless us keep us and guide us in jesus name i pray amen so as we're flipping over to first corinthians chapter three we're going to look at an outline so um first corinthians chapter three is broken down into three major sections the first section is the carnal nature of division the carnal nature of division that's chapter three verses one through nine the second section is laying the foundation, laying the foundation. That's chapter three, verses 10 through 15. Thirdly, our last section is a call for Christians, call for Christians. That's chapter three, verses 16 through 23. And as we uh, go back uh, and kind of do a little review, uh, we remember that 1 Corinthians uh, is written by Paul to the Corinth church in Corinth. Uh, and we know that this church um, had some real challenges, uh, mostly because of there was some cultural influences. We know uh, the church in Corinth sat in Corinth, which was a, uh, a city that was, um, was known for its commerce, right? Uh, we know that uh, because of the way the city was located, a lot of people uh, prospered uh, because it was a major trade city. Um, but not only just because it was where it was located, um, which was near Greece, um, but whole, the whole Mediterranean um, area, right? To include northern Italy, Africa, Italy, and Asia Minor. Um, and so... It, it was really a place of commerce, um, and it was also a place of, of attraction. We know that the Smithian Games were there. Uh, it was an athletic event um, that we could probably compare to the Olympic Games. It was hosted in, in Corinth. Uh, but we know that there was uh, also a culture of um, pagan pagan uh, standards, right? So we know that they were... Uh, they were very, they were morally corrupt. Um, and, and so because of that, um, there was a lot of immorality. Uh, there was a lot of um, things that were happened that were just, I mean, it was just a place to go to really party it up, right? And to, and to really be debaucherous, right? 
And it's so interesting because even in um, historically, the word to Corinthianize really means to um, re- means to be immoral, right? Or to really bring something down, right? Uh, or to be drunken, debauchery. Uh, these are all things that, that we see that are revealed that were part of the culture within Corinthian that would even uh, became pervasive in the church, right? And we know that some of these things can happen, right? Um, and we know that um, there were uh, pagan gods that people were worshiping there, um most noteworthy were was the temple of 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 Aphrodite um and that was uh a temple where you would have some a thousand priestesses uh that were really prostitutes right and so this is the kind of culture this is the kind of uh sinful nature that the church in Corinth was in um uh it really was considered to be a sin city right and so because of that, some of the, those external things that were happening uh, around the church made their way into the church. And I think we can probably say that sometimes those things happen to us, right? Uh, we can see in our culture where certain things happen and then we see it in the church, right? So um, Paul is writing again, 1 Corinthians as a warning, right? And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 as a review uh, that um, there was that um, the the main the main point of this lesson um, is it's found in First Corinthians chapter one verse ten where it says, "Now I plead with you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no division among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment." Uh, people were divided over some of these issues that were happening. And it happens today, right? And it happened 50 years ago, 100 years ago, so on and so forth. Even if you look at kind of our country, right? Uh, there are so many issues that divide people culturally uh, and cause divisions. And this is not what God wants for us and is not what God wants for the church. And we see in verse 11 uh, how he came to know this, right? Uh, for it was been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by the house, by those in Chloe's household, that there were contentions, see, contentions among you, divisions, contentions. Uh, we see that same theme playing out here. Uh, so we know that that's really kind of the theme is to address some of these things and to try to correct them uh, and try to encourage them subsequently and to bring unity into the church. Paul uh, continues uh, that same thought here in chapter 3, where he's dealing with division uh, in the church. Uh, And again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we saw that there was, um, he really addressed this misunderstanding of what is spiritual. Uh, And then in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 was a description of a spiritual person as one being the one who had a mind of Christ. So now we're focused on what is a carnal person? What What is a person who's not spiritual? What does that look like? And, and how is that not good for the church? Um, we know that here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there were two um, main issues and two main sources um, that, that were really um, causing division. Uh, the first one is the envious and self-promoting um, teachers. Uh, and the second was strife filled brethren 
uh, who were dividing. Uh, so we know that jealousy and strife uh, was a problem in the church. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 3. And we'll touch on that uh, just shortly. So uh, that, that's, the, that's the outline. And so, again, we're going to first start with the carnal nature of division. The carnal nature of division. So we talked about this concept of, of what is spiritual um, in, in, in chapter two, now we're looking at what's not spiritual, uh, because we need to identify this problem. And Paul needs to identify this problem to help the Corinthians to, to be better, uh, to, to improve upon where they were before. First Corinthians chapter three, verse one says, and I brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not solid food for for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. Interesting. And then verse three says, for you are still carnal for where there are envy, strife and division amongst you, among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Wow. Okay, so let's look at this and let's uncover it a little bit. Carnal Christians at Corinth. We see in verse 1 and 2. Uh, we see this un this idea of natural. Uh, and natural could be defined as someone who is unwilling or uninterested in searching out the truth. Uh, the term could be worldly, right? Worldly. Uh but then we see this this idea of carnal, right? And carnal is much more serious. Uh, carnal takes on the the idea um, that uh, it's the weakness of the flesh, right? And it's it's a consistency, it's consistent of the flesh, and sensual. Uh, it really has this idea of people who are really involved in in satisfying the flesh. Which is interesting, right? Because when we look at the uh, culture who that surrounded the Corinthian church, it's no it's no great surprise that everyone there was in it was was obsessed, was um, was not bridled in any way, and was totally ingrained in satisfying the flesh. So Paul establishes here that this should not be so. Um, it's interesting that the problems of the church uh, were not just these internal things, external things, right? Because we, we talked about the issues that were happening around the church, but it seems that these things were internal. He's speaking directly to the church now, not outside the not outside the, 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 the people. But being that the people are the church, it makes sense, right? That sometimes... Um, things that are cultural can infiltrate the church, and that's why we have to be guard, guarded, and that's why Paul is warning them in this way. Um, because the pressures of the world um, combined with the weakness of the flesh is a recipe for us to fall. And so that's why he's given this warning. Um, although the Corinthians were no longer natural, so and, and natural just means that they were, they were, um, that they were, that they were um, un unwilling, they weren't searching for for the truth. Um, they were 
they were not spiritual, right? They were not spiritual. They weren't controlled um, by the spirit. They they weren't they weren't influenced by the spirit. They were carnal. So carnal is even worse, right? Because it means they were con controlled by the flesh, and controlled by sensuality, and controlled by things <coughs> that are of the world. And again, uh, this term. Uh, the root word um, you recognize carnival uh, is, is carnival, right? And so if you can think of the how carnivals used to be, right? Um, and think back, 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 back in history where carnivals were a time of uh, celebration of wine, um, um, drink, uh, dancing, um, lascivious behavior. That's where uh, carnival this term carnival comes from in our English language is carnal. Um, now, carnivals now uh, are a little more innocent, right? They're, we think of the spinny wheels and uh, the lights and the games that, that we can never win. Uh, but it really did have a more sinister uh, start. Uh, and that's what um, Paul is really warning against. There is this idea of, of carnality. It indicates... Uh, if we have this in our life, it indicates a spiritual immaturity. That's what really leads us to that second part. Here's a discussion about babes in Christ. And we, I know when, when uh, our children were, were growing up, they're still growing, they're still little. Uh, but we, I remember uh, for a while, uh, the children would be drinking exclusively milk. Um, which was hard on my wife because she was she was the the producer of, of said milk, um, but uh, there came a point where the child got big enough to where the doctor said, "Hey, you know, um, I think your child can probably tolerate solid food." So the baby, uh, when the baby was really small, there were so many things about the baby's body, about the baby's stomach. Uh, the, the baby wouldn't be able to take those solid foods. But as the baby grew up, grew up, grew up and got more mature, the baby was able to take sin, um, those solid foods. But what's happening here is it seemed that the Corinthians did not progress. The church, the Christians in Corinth did not progress because as a baby could eventually leave that milk stage and get into solid food, they didn't seem like they were there. We can only conclude that a part of that was part of that carnality, that, that carnalness that, that was invasive in, in, the, in their culture. Let's, let's look at three and four and break it down. For you, uh, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, and division among you, are you not carnal and behaving as mere men? For when one says, I am a Paul, Another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Here again is this, this concept of carnal. And so let, let's dive into this a little bit. So we see here, um, there's a couple things that, that are evidence of carnal, of carnal behavior or carnal man. Uh, envy, which is, uh, can be described as a severe form of selfishness. Uh, strife, engagement in, in discord or rivalry. Um, and then we see division, uh, and division or some, some, uh, some, uh, versions might say quarrel, right? Quarrels among you. 
Um, and really that come that really breaks down to this concept of there was a result uh, that, that people were just moving apart, right? And people were, were not together. Um, that's because there was some envy, uh, there was some strife, and because of that, there was this division. And those things are definitely carnal. Uh, and those things are definitely not things that are of the spirit that we see here. And then we see here another issue, which was uh, also evidence of carnal. Um, so we see the envy, we see the strife, and the division as uh, evidence of carnal. Of a carnal. But we also see, uh, the, secondly, calling themselves after men. Uh, Paul uh, was, of course... Uh, one who uh, was 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 a was a great leader uh, in the church, uh, influential. Um, but we also see that Apollos, uh, and we know that Apollos was there, and he preached uh, Acts uh, eighteen twenty four through twenty eight, and ministered uh, to the to the Corinth, to to the church in Corinth. But we see here that again. There's a faction, right? Because there were some that said, "Hey, uh, I'm I'm a Paul," and then others said, "Hey, for, uh, well, hey, you know what? I'm from Apollos, right?" Uh, and is that not carnal, right? They they were focused more in uh, who um, who who uh, who they learned under or who they who they were associated with, instead of <clears throat> trying to to try to, to have this relationship. It's interesting because this factual, this, this factionalism and this division was a true, it was a, a true problem within the church and really, um, and really calls people to, to, to fall away. Let's look at the, the next section here, which would be the preachers, preachers are servants and used by God. This is probably one of the most humble sections that I really appreciate and it's sobering for those who teach and preach uh, to always be mindful of this. Uh, let's read. So um, who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believe as the Lord gave each one. I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters anything but god gives the increase so this is fantastic uh, even today i think that we focus on preacher worship sometime right where we say hey our minute my minister said this so it's got to be the truth or minister so-and-so said this and i think I'm, I'm not discouraging us from encouraging people who want to be in the ministry and encouraging people who um who who are um who are wanting to 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 serve God in that capacity but what i'm simply saying is we also have to be very cautious because at the end of the day uh we are serving God and that's essentially what um Paul is saying in in, in a very humble way uh he is saying that preachers are called to the service of God not their own and he's really saying that, hey, ministers are here to point people to Christ. So I, Paul, am pointing people to Christ. Apollos is pointing people to Christ, not pointing people to him. So 
there shouldn't be this faction because we all should be united under Christ because that's where we're pointing, right? God gives the increase. Paul uses an agricultural uh, term here uh, that they would they would really be able to understand. This this idea is that um, in First Corinthians, and and I'll just I'll just put it in in, in kind of uh, Calvin in, in Calvin thoughts. Um, instead of exalting the farmer who's working the farm, what we need to do is exalt the farm exalt the farm uh which is god right because god is the farm and what paul apollos and what paul were doing was just working on the farm they're just working on the farm right so the farmers are not the ones that should be getting the credit it should be the farm because a farm is what is going to produce the actual increase that's the illustration that he's using here. All right. So uh, then we're going we're gonna to scoot on down to verse 10. Uh, and this section is laying the foundation. Laying the foundation. So we talked about the carnalism. We talked about um, not to be focused on men, but to be focused on God, because God is the one who's given the increase. The ministers are doing nothing more than pointing to Jesus. And because they're pointing to Jesus, that's where we should collect, and that's where we should assemble. That's where we should be together without any division. Verse 10 says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one of let but let each one take heed how he builds it. For no other foundation can any one lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. There we go, back again. If we remember um first first Corinthians um in 1 Corinthians, we had this same thought where we made, where Paul was, was very clear that Christ Jesus is the focus. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we see that same thought uh, uttered that all of, of the preaching, uh, all of the, the, the focus should be should be on Christ Jesus. He is the, the, the linchpin of everything. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. Fire always tests things, right? And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive the reward. Then here again is this concept of uh, trial by fire. Um, uh, metals, especially gold, they would test it by by fire. And what happened is the impurities would 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 um, show themselves when it would uh, when exposed to intense heat. Uh, verse 15, 
If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer a great loss, but if he, if he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So let's break this down a little bit. Jesus Christ is a foundation of verse 10. He is a master builder. The actual word um, here uh, is, is where we get the word architect. It contains, not, it contains the idea of not only the builder, but the designer. Uh, when I worked uh, in the construction world, they, have, they had a concept called design-build, where uh, someone would give you, uh, if there was a building that you wanted to be built, um, they would design the plans, and then when they designed the plans, they would also uh, build the building. Um, and that's the concept of uh, master builder, and that's Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. And then we see this idea of gold, uh, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Um, so it's it's interesting because um, you might think, hey, that's kind of weird for to be building materials, but no, not really. Uh, when you think of gold and silver and costly stones, think of the temple. Uh, the temple uh, Solomon built, uh, and Herod, uh, Herod, um, and and the Herod built. Uh, were made of fine materials. Um, so it was gold, it was silver, it was stone. Uh, temples were gold-plated and silver. Now, when you think of stone, uh, we're not thinking of the, 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 the rocks that my, my kids like to skip outside of the pond. We think of limestone, think of marble, um, think of some of the, 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 the finest um, materials that were used um, to build like temples. And if you think of if if you think along those lines, you're you're in the right place because that is really what what's described here. We're thinking about um, this this uh, this this is really really strong quality materials that are being described here. But we also see um, the 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 opposite, right? And so probably most homes would probably be built from um, hay. Um, um, uh, wood on uh, stubble. And so the, the homes uh, uh, of the time would, 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 would be probably built out of that, but not a lot because, uh, wood was even expensive at the time. And, uh, the wood, the, the wood, uh, even though, um, was, was good, um, it could also burn, right? And so it's this idea of um, how the foundation is laid, uh, and who, and what, and what materials are, are being used um, to really illustrate um, the importance of um, leaning on Christ Jesus, who is the foundation, is the greatest takeaway uh, from the passage. And then when we come down to uh, verse sixteen, we see. Um, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? So in this section, this is a call for Christians. Hey, wake up Christians. This, I, I'm, I'm letting you know, uh, we talked about this carnal stuff that was happening. That was causing divisions. That is really not good, really not good. And because it was causing divisions, uh, you know, it was just turning the church inside out and we can't have that. Right. And then Paul flips over to the discussion of, hey, you know what? Stop this carnal stuff, right? 
And, and let's focus on that foundation, which is Christ Jesus. Let's focus on that foundation, which is Christ Jesus. And so now he's really building upon that argument in, in, verse, uh, in, in verse 16 through 23 to really look at a call for Christians in a way to, to kind of wake up Christians in, in this way. And what and 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 what and what what he says here, um, starting out, is: Do you not know um, the temple of God, and that the the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which is the temple you are. Wow, that's powerful. It's a severe warning to anyone who tried to interfere or destroy um, with the church, the people, right? Uh, and we know the foundation of the church is Christ Jesus. Um, and so what we're going to, let's look, let's look a little bit more into that because in verse 18, let no one be, let no one deceive himself. For if anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that but and they are futile. It's going back to the same concept that we read earlier, um, that uh, the reason not to glorify men and to have these factions, right, is really because um earthly wisdom is futile we saw the same concept in um first corinthians um chapter um two first corinthians chapter two um and where there's a discussion about the idea of human wisdom and spiritual wisdom and he really brings back this point that hey we need to not be focused on carnal things on human things, but on spiritual things, and that the 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 wise of this age are fleeting, and we talked about that in the last lesson. And he quotes Job uh, five thirteen and Psalms ninety four eleven to reinforce his point, but really reminding them that that human wisdom cannot save, and hu human wisdom um, can can't do anything for us eternally but what can is um is is a is a is a heavenly uh focus um so a reason not to glorify a worldly wisdom um really in verse 18 we see it deceives ourselves right um we it, it's deceiving it we it means it is fake that we would we, we think that our wisdom uh is which is worldly wisdom is greater than godly wisdom. The second thought um, on the reason why not to glory in worldly wisdom is because the wisdom of this world is foolish. Uh, we see that in verse 19 and 20. The same thought was, was had in first Corinthians uh, chapter uh, one uh, verse 18 through 25 um, human wisdom uh, versus the spiritual wisdom. Again, this thought is here. And then there's a second call for Christ, for for Christians, um, is that we should not glorify men. And let's look at that. That's verse twenty one to to twenty three. 
uh, and it says, "Therefore, let no no therefore let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or the life or death or things present or things to come are all yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is of God." Again, that foundation is being made there. Um, another reason why we shouldn't glorify men is uh, the first thought is that all things, including men, are of God. <laughs> we see that in verse 21 and 22. Um, and that, and again, that concept of pre- preachers do nothing more than to point to Christ, to point to Christ. So if you're if you're um, gathering around or worshiping the one who's pointing you're not following. You need to you need to really look at where they're pointing, which is to Christ, and and and, and that should be the focus. Again, it goes back to Christ uh, is the foundation. And then, secondly, we see here that you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Uh, so don't glorify men because they're not of God. Christ is God. God is God. Uh, so. Instead of focusing on men, instead of focusing on, on the wisdom of men, but to be focused on God. And I think there's a lesson there for us today, too, because a lot of times we might even get caught up in, in similar situations, right? Where we are too busy glorifying people who are politicians or people who are preachers or we do all these things. And then when they let us down, we're disappointed. But you know what? God never disappoints us, Right. Uh, because God isn't um, doing things for your vote. Uh, God isn't doing things for your approval. God isn't saying things for your... God is doing things because he's merciful, because he's He's loving, he's long-suffering, he's just, he's righteous, uh, he's, he's patient, uh, he's gentle, uh, he's love. God is love, and because God is love, um, we should be loved as well. Um, if we compare ourselves to men, uh, they're always going to be foul, fallible. Uh, and so we shouldn't be surprised and we shouldn't put our allegiance uh, to, to them in the same way that they put their allegiance to Cephas and Paul and Apollos. Um, they were just mere men pointing to Jesus. And that's what we should be doing is um, following uh, Jesus uh, and not focused on uh, the folks who are uh, pointing to Jesus. So that's the end of the lesson. Uh, next lesson, we're going to pick up on uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I look forward to um, hearing uh, and, and studying uh, God's inspired word with you uh, again next week. Uh, thank you so much for uh, being here and, and listening uh, to this lesson. May God bless you. Uh, and again, we thank you uh, for, for your participation uh, in our study. Uh, God bless.